Hi, I'm Patrick Pond, CEO and founder of Fabro, and this is the Learn From Leaders podcast. The background to this show is that Fabro customers are some of the most innovative companies in the world. Enterprises wanting to be more agile, software as a service companies scaling fast, and game developers and publishers wanting to master live ops. So we get to know some truly inspiring leaders in product development, marketing, operations, sales, executive management. And what we do here is that we interview them about leadership so we can all learn from them. Let's go. All right, and we are live you know, with Christina. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is the last one um, you know, before Christmas for me. Um, so I'm a little bit extra excited. <laughs> um, and straight after this, we are hosting a big uh, get-together for game developers uh, here in, uh, in, in Vilnius. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an, a day of intense conversations, and that's awesome. That's great. That's great. Now, do you say Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas? What do you say for the holidays? Um, here, I think both here and in Sweden, you know, where where I'm from, and you know, where you know, Favor is headquartered. I think we we are saying you know Happy Christmas. Um, uh, I do I do know that in America there's um, a bit of debate on exactly how to do this. Um, <laughs> um, you know, we are uh, we haven't got into that conversation yet over here. Um, so it's it's still a very you know un- uncontroversial uh, issue. Yeah, I usually say happy Merry everything because then you kind of got it all covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But you know, hey, I, I, we have such an interesting uh, uh, topic here today. But before we jump into to that, um, for the ones who doesn't know you, it would be great to just get a little bit of the story, you know, how you, you know, how you got into this industry and you got to to where you are today. Um, you uh, you're obviously in, in you know you have you have a very impressive track record i mean you you built uh, you know fantastic you know companies and uh, and it's so it's it's hard to avoid you know the the, the topic that you know it, it's not that many um you know you know women leaders you know in 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 the position you're in so you know when we talk about you know we need more role models uh, to bet you know get you know better quality in the industry i mean well here we got one yeah well thank you <laughs> but uh, but we we uh, we you know we have been talking a lot about that on the podcast uh, you know with others so you know I'm I'm you know but but you know just you know for inspiration for anyone listening right now I mean can you just share a little bit about your journey you know getting to to where you are today sure sure well um you know I never intended to lead a video game company that was not my grand strategy in life um actually when I was young I was a music major in college and I wanted to be a rock star and that didn't work out. So here we are making video games. And, uh, but I live in Northern California and I've grown up here and spent my whole, um, whole life, uh, around technology because when you live in Silicon Valley, San Francisco, you know, basically Northern California, you're just by osmosis, you get a ton of, uh, technology, uh, visibility and there's just a buzz about tech in this area and so when I you know started my career I was really interested in consumer technology and then and I you know grew in that and and um, kind of moved up the ladder within a couple different software companies that were primarily doing productivity software and I started a couple companies I'm very entrepreneurial um 
which sometimes means you're not employable um, by other people. And, and so that was kind of true for me. Uh, I am much more comfortable in an entrepreneurial uh, arena. And so I uh, started a couple different technology companies, uh, but always within consumer technology. And so it actually worked really well moving into video games because I actually didn't look at it as a video game. I wasn't afraid of entering the industry as a woman, even though it's not very, uh, you know, not very popular and it's not very common to be a woman within tech in general and especially not in video games. But I really looked at video games in the early years as as just another piece of consumer technology to bring to market. And um, and what was interesting is that that's basically true. Uh, so it was easy for me to use the skills I already had in consumer technology and apply them to video games. But actually, there was so much more about video games that was really exciting that um, that I really loved it and just stayed in this industry and continued to grow the company. Um, so I started it in my house, Maximum Games, and we shipped our first game in 2010 and then um, continued to grow that company um, on a bootstrapped basis all the way through uh, till December of last year when I sold the company to Zordex, is a listed company in Sweden. And, um, and so now we're quite a bit bigger as a group and we have a uh, Basically, we cover the entire value chain of video game creation, development, publishing, lifecycle management, um, channel management of everything that has to do with a video game in the PC and console space. And uh, we have studios all over Europe and in the US and in South America. And then we also have publishing entities um, in UK, France and the US. So it, it is uh, it, it is it is quite an impressive group, and I think you know the fact that uh, you know you know based out of Sweden, you know we have Embracer, which is which is very very big. Um, you know it, it maybe um, you know hides a little bit the fact that there's actually more players, um, you know that that had that, that whole value chain as you know you, you were speaking about. But I have two follow up questions on this. You know one, you know how did you pick the name Maximum Games? It's so funny. It it again especially as an entrepreneur and you're an entrepreneur, so you know this, is that you're when you're going through those uh, discussions on what to call the company and how do we want to make it perfect and how do we want to make sure it communicates our brand and our idea and how we want to show up in the world. Um, but you're also very limited by what domains are available and what is trademarkable and all of those things that are like really practical issues that you have to deal with when you're coming up with the name. And what we really wanted to, when we started the company, it was actually called Maximum Family Games. And we wanted to communicate that we had games that were for the whole family. And so we wanted a big expansive word like maximum. And then we wanted um, it to be, you know, kind of family oriented in the very beginning because our first games were um, kind of DS, uh, Nintendo DS and 3DS games that were a little bit more family friendly. Um, but we had to drop the family pretty, pretty early on in the company's existence because we had all kinds of different games, core games, and the family just didn't really um, match with the company anymore. So we kept the maximum because we wanted to keep the expansive nature. And, and we really think that that's true of, um, of maximum games even today 
in that we really believe that we expand the world and the revenue opportunities with with video games and the maximum revenue channels possible. And uh, my second uh, follow-up question on that. So was it, I mean, maybe you can, you're not allowed to say this, but was it was it like part of the, the deal uh, when, when the company was acquired that you would be the CEO of the of the bigger group or I mean how no I mean they everybody knew that I was going to be on the executive team when the transaction happened um I think that on the other side of the transaction what the board realized was that this new group which was really transformative in 2021 it started as a very small studio Zordic started as a very small studio acquired a couple other studios and then within about 18 months did five uh acquisitions and so uh the board wanted to have um you know somebody in a ceo who was going to be able to lead that integration that foundation building and set strategy for the the years to come and so then i took over uh at the end of february beginning of march is when i became ceo i mean i think that's kind of a yes to my question but <laughs> fair enough let's move on to um our topic of today so you know, you know, for the um, you know for the ones in the audience who listen to you know our podcast, you know, this year, there's been we've been talking a lot about uh, how to build a strong culture. Um, uh, you know, when when growing a game studio, and um, you, you know, we when we had a pre conversation, you had a very interesting perspective, you know, around how to use you know, our gamer skills. Um, and we're talking now not only about the leadership, um, you know, position. We're also talking about you know, from, from, uh, you know, someone, you know, who's a, let's say a new team member. And, and I just thought that you had such interesting perspectives on this. And since most of us who are in the industry do play games ourselves, I, I think this is just perfect. So it's, it's like a Christmas present now for us. All. So <laughs> I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut up and, and, and just leave it to you here to, to just expand a little bit on those thoughts. Sure. Sure. Um, I think when we talked about it, when I, when I, uh, I'm really passionate about is helping, uh, especially kind of Gen Z and uh, workers that are entering the workforce, or even you know millennials that are already in the workforce, as they're looking at expanding their career, as they're looking at how do I show up at work and how do I accomplish the tasks. One of the things that we really lean into within Maximum Games and Sordix overall is this idea of using the skills that we already have as a gamer to inform how we show up at work. And I'm just going to tell a quick story about how we this kind of came to to be and this idea of how we build culture around this idea. And it's it really came from a conversation that I had with my son. My oldest son was working in the business and he was working as like kind of an assistant in the production area of um, of Maximum Games. And he came up to me at work one day and he's like, hey, I leveled up today. And I said, oh, and it, which is very normal because I have three boys and they talk to me about what they're playing and their games all the time. And uh, he came up to me and he said, uh, hey, I leveled up today. And I was like, oh, what, what were you playing? He's like, no, I leveled up at work. And I said, what do you mean? And what he had done was completed a localization pass for one of the games, which means he took the words out, got them translated, 
got them put back into the game and tested it. And so that game loop, work loop, which looked like a game loop, um, made him feel like he leveled, like he cleared a level, like he accomplished a quest, like, you know, he added to his skill tree. And that's the feeling that he had. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting that how else can we um, create those moments, create those moments of feeling like you leveled at work. And that really was the beginning of this whole concept of approaching work with a gamer's lens and approaching how we're looking at doing things in the same way that we approach um, gaming and uh, both creating games and playing games. And so the idea here is like, you know, let's talk about failure for one thing. You know, when you fail at a game, you die, you don't clear the level, you didn't kill that boss, whatever. You're so excited to start again because you inherently know all of the things that you learned from that moment. You inherently know that I need this different weapon or I need to go craft this spell or I need to look around this corner because there's a bad guy over there and I need to go right, not left. You know, there's all of these things that you learned. And so you're really excited to start again. Nobody gets mad and doesn't try to clear the level. You know, we have entire games that are, you know, built on failure, you know, that you're never going to clear the level. You just see how far you're going to go. Right. And, and so I think that that's one of the things that you can tell people like, hey, failure, actually look at any kind of failure you have at work with the same lens that you look at when you don't clear a level. Um, you know, what can you do different? Which way can you turn that's going to help you accomplish that task? And then it gives people real excitement about how to go to the next, um, that next level. So failure is just one way that a gamer's lens helps us do this, but there's tons more. Should I keep going? <laughs> I definitely wanted to keep going, but I just, I just have to ask you like in between here, you know, um, how do you, you know, how do you see, how do you, how do you see this yourself? Because I mean, you know, I mean, you know, there's definitely a lot of this in, in being CEO. Absolutely. It's so true. And, um, I think that that's one of the things that I, I preach a lot about this. I feel like I talk all the time about, you know, how you can take all of these skills that we have as gamers and apply them to our work life. And um, and I, I know that it is hard to do that. But I'm telling you, just the quick reframe in your brain of telling yourself, I didn't clear that level instead of I failed or I didn't finish that boss fight. I need a new weapon or I need to go craft something any just telling yourself that absolutely reframes the the challenge that you're that you're experiencing and you start looking at all of these different struggles that you have as CEO in the same way that you would look at a game I am always struggling with resource management right as a CEO you have limited resources you have you know you know, employees, you have games that you're going to want to work with, you have speed and time that you have to deal with in order to get a project out. When you approach it from a gamer's lens, that's what you do in game. You do resource management. You look at a health bar, you look at 
you know, whatever, whatever kind of game you're having, there's something about resource management. So approaching resource management in the same way that you would approach it in a game, you're like, okay, I need more resources over here. So what am I going to do to do that? Am I going to go, you know, hunt for something over here or, you know, kind of depending on what, whatever your game is, you're going to be able to uh, use the principles that you uh, use in approaching that game in work life. And I think resource management is another one. Um, I, I talk a lot because I'm a woman. I end up talking a lot to moms about kids that are kids that are playing video games. And usually moms are coming up and they're like, oh, you know, my kids are playing games. Should I let them play games? I'm like, absolutely. You should be letting your kids play games. Look at the things that they learn when they're playing a game. What other thing can you do with your child where they're learning strategic decision-making and resource management and ramifications of their decisions? What other play are you, are you actually, you know, letting them do where they get all of that really valuable life skill? Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, there's a pretty, it's uh, a pretty big debate actually in Sweden around you know how, especially you know, boys is doing certain sports, learning certain skills, which is kind of prepping them for, for 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 kind of you know life as a as a manager and executive, and then it's kind of like, well, what is the equivalent you know for for girls, and very often they you know you bring up things like for example um, taking care of a horse. Um, which is you know, probably correct, um, but the, but it's a much more I mean <laughs> less financially intensive you know thing you can do, which is which is play the right games, you know exactly. Uh, you know you have a really really good point there. Yeah, but there's so many more things um, within games that you're learning um, about, you know how to show up at work, and another one that we talk a lot about is playing multiplayer, because there's a million business bugs that have been written about creating a functional team and how to work on a team. And there's software that's been created to help manage a team. But you know what is a really highly functional team? Anytime you're playing a game, <laughs> you know, and when you're playing multiplayer, you definitely understand how important the different roles are. Nobody is sad because they're the AD carry and somebody else is you know, the tank or whatever that, that you just naturally fall into those different roles and you have a high level of respect for all of those different roles, because you know that you cannot accomplish the quest without everybody really having a highly functional experience in their roles. So we actually already know how to be a really good teammate. We actually know how to fall into our roles and create respect around those roles and learn skills around those roles um, pretty easily without tons of books being written about it. We just know how to do it within a game. And if we use those same tools and we frame working on a team in the same way that we would frame playing multiplayer, um, we're already, you know, 80% of the way there to a functional team. And I think that that's another way that you can, even just by saying, instead of we're on a project together or we're on a team, we can just say we're, we're playing multiplayer. Who's who, you know, and, and you can kind of create those roles very, very naturally, just like you would in a game. I have to ask you something here. You know, what's the, um, there's been a bit of a conversation within um, kind of HR around gamification 
of of being an employee. And you know, I you know, I guess there's a difference here between you know, the gamification of your of the work career, you know, everything from the recruitment process to onboarding and, and so forth, uh, you know, to what you're talking about. Can you, can you expand a bit on you know the difference? Yeah, I mean, I think that gamification is is not exactly what I'm talking about. Gamification, I think, is in sometimes a cheesy or not not great attempt to make what is otherwise not a very fun process fun. And so what they do is they let you kind of choose paths and and you know they try to gamify some some process of like like onboarding as a great example within HR and make it more of a game because and and really the only way that you're making it a game is that you're giving the 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 person who's getting onboarded a little bit of agency to to make choices and things like that. But the gamification of that is pretty light, right? And I am not talking about gamifying your work. What I am talking about is understanding that you already have a lot of the skills to be successful at work because you're already utilizing those within game. And so it's really not gamifying work, but using all of these skills that you have as a gamer. So my my idea is instead of trying to kind of awkwardly create gamification within the work environment, I think we would have a much better result by encouraging um, people to approach work with a gamer's lens and look at work in the same way that you look at um, accomplishing something within game. And I think that if we did that, it also gives us a lot, a lot more confidence, right? You, you were not afraid of, of entering a project and you're like, how am I going to manage this project when I have limited resources, but I have to accomplish this big, this big task, this big quest, this big mission, however, whatever word you want to use. If you approach that in the same way of that you would approach that challenge within a game, you would actually get pretty excited about finding those resources. You'd start to get really creative, right? You'd start to look under things within the environment that you wouldn't normally look for. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes at work people show up and they just want a plan. Like, here, go do this and then, you know, then you will accomplish your task. But in a game, that wouldn't be fun, right? You would, you, in a game, you want to go explore. You want to look at the environment. You want to turn over that rock. You want to go see what's out there. I think that if we had that as we approach work, that's not gamifying work. That's just changing our mindset and changing our approach, approaching work through a gamer's lens. So, so if I can ask a, let's say, a somewhat challenging question there, um, do you think that, you know, these are contradictory or do you think that they can go hand in hand? And I'll, I'll tell you why I asked the question. So if you, if you, uh, if you take, for example, you know, career path, uh, you know, one of the things that tends to be a very, let's say, typical struggle, you know, is that you want to have a career path for everyone. Uh, if you take, you know, if you take coders, uh, you want them to have an equal career path as you know someone who uses more of a management track, um, and by visualizing, you know, if you if you equal the levels there, it's like okay, you you chose you know that management level, but it's actually the same level as if you go go that route. Uh, you know, that would be let's say one example of how you know, a bit of gamification would be supporting, you know, making uh, you know you know you know people uh, that doesn't want to choose uh, a management track feel like they're equally um, you know, equally valued. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, 
do you see these potentially working together um, or or is there a contradiction? No, I, I think it can work together. I think that especially in that kind of application that you just described, which is basically a skill tree where you're leveling up your character, you can have that be very um, clearly visualized depending on who is in the in the organization and what their their particular career path is. You can you can kind of gamify that career path and make it look just like a skill tree. And in in many ways, that helps that person also understand that you do have to work through these different skills in order to level up. How many times are you playing a game and you ran into a boss too early, right? You ran into a boss fight too early. You did not have the skills. You did not have the weaponry. You didn't have what you needed in order to accomplish that. You have to go back and work those steps. The same way, sometimes people get frustrated in their career, right? They want to jump up to the top. But if you're talking to them about it in the same way that, you know, you you approach a game, you understand that, you know, here's the skill tree for this position and what you need to do. And that gamification of your career path, plus the reinforcement of telling that employee to approach work as a gamer would and and kill the skill tree, you know, move move it all the way up. Um, I think that those can actually work very well hand in hand. All right, super. And final question. Um, now, one way to you know promote this kind of thinking is, of course, you know, you know what you're doing right now. You just you, you talk about it, right? But but uh, but you know, are there other ways? You know, do you have other tips? You know, for for leaders that that you know share this this mindset that you have. You know, you know how to to you know promote this. You know how to make it. Um, uh, you know transparent that this is how we're thinking you know how to maybe even use this as, as a way to attract some of the best talent because you know to be honest i mean working in a company with the ceo things like this it sounds pretty nice you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah yeah i would love to be able to expand this outside of just the video game community and video game companies because i think this you know having this conversation with you and probably a lot of your listeners um that are very familiar with video games and video game companies, you can apply it pretty pretty easily to to work. I I would really love to bring this to a broader um, audience, and and I'm working on a book that is going to do exactly that. Um, and I get because even if you're not in the video game industry, you are employing gamers. You have gamers on your staff, no matter what kind of industry you're in. And so if I can kind of get the rest of, you know, business leadership excited about encouraging people to use the skills that they already have um, as they approach their work, I think that everybody will be a lot happier at work too. That sounds great. And I, I do promise that, you know, once the book is out, I will make sure to promote it. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, all right, cool. It has been so great talking to you. You know, our, our, our time is up. I got to go meet a bunch of game developers now at the, at the meetup, you know, Christmas drinks. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to speaking more with you, you know, in the next year. Uh, maybe we got more topics to expand on. Uh, you know, but until then, you know, like, you know, you know, huge thanks. Thank you. And, uh, you know, thank you to all of, all of you who's been listening. Uh, and I really hope to see you in 2023. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, you know what to do. Share it in your social media so more people can take part and learn. And one more thing. Check out Favro Academy on favro.com.
for many more learnings. Thanks for tuning in.